2: Daily Face Off
1: Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Beebs Bondi. Live from the WoodJerseys.com studios, it is season seven, episode two of the Daily Faceoff Podcast, presented to you by our friends at OddShark.com and DoorDash. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, we've got Michael Beebs Bondi, Dylan D. Berthume back for his debut episode of season seven. How's it going D?
3: Going good man. Happy to be here. Feels good. 7 years in the making and I feel like uh we're just hitting our stride.
0: He's back with fresh answers. I love it. Um this is this is big for the big for the season. Um also Brock, I'm doing good cuz I got skipped last episode cuz we were so excited for Frank. It was just we just got right into it.
1: That's true. Yeah, um, I mean, he gave us a 20 minute time limit. We still went to 30 hours. Oh, so if we would have if we would have thrown it to you at the start of the episode, it would have been 45. Yeah. So also,
0: do we think Frank wants to hear me talk about how Landis Cog like sent me a fucking? <laughs> a, a like thing or something. He's just going to sit here and just sign off. we like, we lost Frank. He's not yeah.
1: Oh, uh, He's gone already. But uh, all right, yeah, so if you guys missed it, we talked to Frank Saravoli on Monday, uh, just basically picking his brain about what he thought of the offseason thus far, who the biggest winners uh, of the offseason were to date. Um, but we didn't talk very much fantasy hockey, which is what this podcast is all about. So that's what we are going to tackle today. Uh, we're going to take a look back at all of the offseason movement, which the has been a ton of I uh, just kind of talk about some of the bigger moves and, and how it will affect the fantasy landscape for the 2021-22 season. Uh, we will kind of just some guys, some players, some trades, some moves. We're going to just kind of roll over, uh, but we will mention as much as we can in case you haven't been able to stay on top of everything. Uh, we will start with the forwards. Uh, we'll go with a couple signings here right off the bat. Uh, the newest team, the 32nd team in the NHL, the Seattle Kraken. Uh, landed a couple big free agent fish, and one of which is Jaden Schwartz, who they signed to a five year, five point five million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan, you were not here last week, so I guess we will give you uh, the floor here. Jaden Schwartz—he's uh, you know often been kind of a friend of the show, uh, guy we've liked, but not a guy that's usually produced at a super high level uh, in recent seasons, you know, for fantasy purposes. But going to the Kraken could be, you know, their top line left winger. So uh, should be some potential there.
3: Yeah, um, he's, you know, certainly uh, not one of the guys that I would, you know, particularly be excited about on the Kraken roster, uh, you know, about a potential breakout season uh, along the likes of Riley Smith, Jonathan Marchessau, or William Carlson that we saw in the first year in Vegas. Uh, and that's simply because, you know, Schwartz is already coming for a team where he commanded a first uh, line role. Even last season, he was still playing around 18 minutes a night. Uh, so I don't anticipate, uh, or I can't really see how his role uh, and his usage could grow much uh, in Seattle. Um, you know, I think when you look at the guys, maybe someone like Jared McCann would be someone to get a little more excited about, something we've never really seen get a full run or a uh, uh, vice time, uh, or really, you know, just kind of be the focus of a team's attack at, at even strength or with the man advantage. So I think those are kind of the players that you can kind of look at on the Kraken roster and maybe... Uh, try to peg for a breakout or, or maybe look for uh, a lot of upside and some guys that can really outperform their ADP. Um, I don't anticipate there being as many uh, as there were uh, in the Golden Knights, uh, you know, first season, simply because uh, I don't love the look of Seattle's roster. Um, you know, you know, we said the same thing about the Golden Knights. Sure. But uh, we did like Marcoso a lot. We did think William Carlson could do more in a bigger role. Um, so those weren't necessarily uh, big surprises. They you know, certainly outperformed even our most or wildest expectations at the time. Uh, but I don't think there's going to be uh, a whole lot of um, similar uh, breakout seasons this year for the Kraken. And I certainly don't think a guy like Jaden Schwartz uh, will be the one that really takes a step forward. Simply because, like I said, he's been filling this role uh, for the Blues in the past for a number of years now.
0: That's going to be an issue with this Seattle team is the fact that um, Vegas just, you know, they did what they did a few years ago. So everyone's just going to want to jump on that, uh, that narrative that, oh yeah, you know, he's the Riley Smith. He's the whatever, whatever. But I think you nailed it D when you said he's already had those top line minutes. He's played with Ryan O'Reilly, one of the best assist men in the league. It's not really going to get much better than that. Um, Perennial, you know, 2030 guy, best case, 30, 30 guy. um, And that's kind of bottom of your roster. Person. So I wouldn't be jumping the gun for this. There's definitely gonna be someone in everyone's 12-man league who does jump the gun for Seattle guys. So let them do it. Um and hey, if they do hit, they're probably grabbing them at the part where they would be. So um honestly for me, I'm not too excited about shorts. I think it's a big contract. It's a lot of a lot of years for a guy who's seemingly on the on the downturn. Um, but who knows? Maybe this is the the breath of fresh air that he needs. Either way, I'm not touching this one.
1: Yeah, Schwartz is definitely, um, I guess, during his time in St. Louis, kind of known more for just being a really steady uh, two-way uh, with a, you know with some offensive upside, not really a guy that's ever been a big producer on the power play either. So uh, speaking of not being a huge <laughs> producer on yeah. the power play, um, replacing Jaden Schwartz in St. Louis is going to be Brandon Saad. He moves over from Colorado uh, to St. Louis, basically just going to slot right in with Ryan O'Reilly or um, Braden Shen. On the top two lines, he got a five-year deal at four point five million dollars. First of all, I was pretty surprised. Uh, obviously, in a flat cap world, um, you know some of these salaries weren't too outrageous. But uh, you know, I thought Brandon Saad would command a little bit more uh, money than five uh, or four point five. But uh, Saad to um, St. Louis, basically getting the exact same thing that you have in Jaden Schwartz with Saad. Like I said, never been a huge producer in Colorado. Um, you know, obviously his ice time was ever. a little bit more limited uh, there. So he should at least um, maybe see a bump in ice time, you know, not playing behind uh, Nathan McKinnon, but um, you know, 20 goals, maybe 25 assists. Like that's probably what you're uh, you're going to get out of Brandon yeah. saw. Do you guys think that anything's going to change here in St. Louis?
0: His career high was 53 points. Um, that's from his peak Chicago days back when he was considered a fantasy asset i guess maybe not um but yeah so never having more than 53 even last year um that colorado lineup was injured he was jumping around in uh, mostly on that power play for probably 50 of 80 games i mean i I don't have exact numbers in front of me but he was you know there it's not like he wasn't inside that top six on an absolutely lethal top six so to put up 15 and 9 and 44 um I think uh, I I think they're he's going to end up back on a third line rule eventually. So I'm not jumping at all for him in fantasy. He can someone else can take him, but um you know someone's got to play on that first line. And as of right now, he's the veteran and the guy they paid to do it. Um, but yeah, I uh, I don't know about this one.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's the key is that he he is probably going to play pretty high up the lineup. I just don't think they have a lot of reliable options that uh, can consistently play on the left side. Um, so I think he could be, a, you know, a sneaky um, source of goals this upcoming season. Uh, you know, he's always uh, been a good producer in terms of shots and, and shot volume. So um, I think if he's playing, you know, higher up the lineup, especially if he gets with Riley at, uh, or sorry, Ryan O'Reilly at even strength, uh, I think that's going to afford him a lot of shooting opportunities. And uh, you know, he could get pretty close to the thirty-one uh, goals that he topped out at uh, in Columbus. You know, about five or six years ago. Um, I think that'd be a bit of a stretch, but I certainly think, you know, if he is playing at the top of the lineup, uh, getting, you know, 17, 18 minutes a night, he can certainly push for 25 goals this year. The problem is the assists just, you know, more, most likely than not, they're just not going to be there. They never really have been, uh, for Saad, he's always been a shoot first guy. So, um, those are always gonna, you know, trail him behind a bit, but you know, for points leagues where you get, you know, really, uh, rewarded for the amount of goals that, that you can rack up. I, I think Saad, like I said, can be a sneaky source of value there.
1: Yeah, he, he's definitely a nice addition. I think he's better than Schwartz. I think he's going to help O'Reilly or, or uh, Shen, whichever line he ends up landing on. Uh, my only concern with him is that he was on pace for 28 goals last year over an 82-game season, uh, but did so while leading the NHL with a 22.1 shooting percentage. Ooh. So that is a little frightening. Only 68 shots last year, which was uh, a really down year. But uh, to your point, D, he's you know, in Columbus, in basketball. Chicago, he was uh, – you know, a guy that was easily going over 200 every year. Uh, so hopefully he can get back to those because Frank mentioned it last week, the the blues seemingly lost a lot of offense, a lot of goal scorers, um, especially if they tra- end up trading Tarasenko, they're going to need some guys to, to find the back of the net. So maybe Saad uh, will take on more of a shooting role in his new home. Speaking of shooters, Mike Hoffman is not afraid to fire the biscuit. He moves over from St. Louis going to Montreal uh, where, you know, they seem pretty loaded up front still, uh, you know, losing Philip Deneau, uh, obviously a big uh, hole down the middle, but on the wing, you know, so the they're going to get, too. they're going to get Jonathan drew back. They still got Josh Anderson, Tyler to now adding Mike Hoffman into the mix as well. Um, Hoffman, you know, has been pretty disappointing the last few years after, you know, really being kind of just somebody you can, you know, rock in for 30 goals, um, you know, 17 goals last year uh, in 52 games. He's definitely a guy that's going to help this Montreal power play out a ton. Um, you think like do you think his production is going to change? Like it's really always been the same thing. Like this, you kind of just draft Mike Hoffman, you know what you're getting.
3: Yeah, and I that's exactly it, right? And it depends. It all comes down to how much he's really going to play this season. Um, you know, even in uh, a limited role last season, he's only playing 15 minutes. He's still on pace for you know just just shy of 60 points over a full 82 game. Uh, because he's just so deadly on the power play right and in the offensive zone in general yes he can be a bit of a liability in his own end uh, but if you compare him with the right guys uh, you know maybe someone like Philip DeNoe, who doesn't play there anymore but w- would be really uh, the ideal partner for a guy like Mike Kaufman, right it, it would have worked so well um, with DeNoe and Gallagher for him to be that that complimentary more offensive uh, minded player on that left wing like Tar was for the last few years obviously that's not the case that can't happen anymore um, so you know are they going to feel just as comfortable trotting them out 17, 18 minutes a night with cock and Yemi and Suzuki, maybe even Jake Evans centering his line. I don't know, but I I do still think he's definitely worth rostering. He should still have dual eligibility in most formats next season for the wing. Uh, He's going to be a consistent goal threat. And if he does play a little bit further out the lineup, and even strength, I think he can definitely push for another 30, 30 season. So big Mike Hoffman guy over here. Uh, And, you know, I would have been more excited about this move if, like I said, the no was still there and, and, you know, uh, making sure that the Canadians were going to be a pretty dominant team at five v five for at least 20 minutes a night, then I'd be a lot more excited about you know Hoffman's potential to eat some more minutes this season. But uh, I think, like I said, even if he is in a unlimited role at even strength, uh, his numbers or that he can put up on the power play should be enough to warrant uh, a roster spot.
0: Yeah, I, I I think you uh, you nailed it when you said you know he 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 kills it offensively, but he's not so good defensively. We don't care. We're a fantasy podcast. We love that shit. So um, Mike Hoffman, I think, is going to be someone you could find at the end of your draft who could definitely help you in the goal department. And uh, and I'm with D on this one. I'm on the Mike Hoffman train um, as far as you know going, coming in with high hopes for him. Um, I'm, I'm not saying reach, but at the same time, I think a lot of people are wouldn't even consider this guy. You know, they'd consider him a bottom of the roster guy. If you can get him right before them, that's going to be a, a steal all season long. And and if that and if he clicks there, I mean, we saw it to fully pop off last year. No reason why things can't happen for Mike Hoffman too. Um, the the first shooting option always on power plays for any team he goes to.
1: It's funny because obviously he's not known for his defense, but this almost feels like a a Shea Weber replacement, right? Like you lose Shea Weber, they think, for maybe forever um, and lose that big point shot on the power play. Like, well, let's just bring in Mike Hoffman and like let him rip bobs on the power play, you know, um it, it looks like they could have a power play with Mike Hoffman and Cole Coffee at the top there just ripping shots all day long. So I, I you know the fact
0: that uh they lost to Tatar for the same price, I think is uh, just it's kind of a win for them. I don't know about yeah. you guys, but I personally want Hoffman at that number um compared to Thomas Tatar, who I don't it worked, but it just you know.
1: Awful, yeah. I was surprised that Tatar was able to command 4.5. Uh, I saw like on Twitter, people were like, "Okay, we want we want Tatar," but they're like, "Yeah, it's probably gonna cost 4.5." And I was like, "How is he yeah. even managing to get that?" I just but yeah, I was, feel like the he was the whole time.
3: Yeah, I feel like the general public's perception of Tatar has never been online with you know the general uh, I guess NHL the average NHL GM because yeah. we saw what he went for uh, at the trade deadline a, a few <sighs> years ago. Right? Was wasn't it a first, a second, and a third?
0: It yeah. was a first, a second, and a third,
1: which it was uh, terrific yeah. stuff. For a rental loved every second of it. it. Yeah. Um sticking with Montreal here for a second. So we mentioned Phil Deneau on his way. He signed a 60 year 5.5 million dollar deal to go to the LA Kings. Um uh, Deneau never really been a guy that's known for his offense, career high 53 points, never scored more than 13 goals in a season. Uh, but one of the best two way centers the NHL has to offer. Uh, We talked a little bit about this last week, Beeb, so we're not going to go too much uh, more into detail here. But I think not only us, but seemingly everybody seems to believe that this is going to be a really good thing for Anze Kopitar. He should be able to play, uh, you know, less defensive minutes, should be able to maybe just maximize his offense playing less, uh, you know, Easier matchups more often than not, uh or more than he has in the past with to know there. So uh probably to know, not a guy you're gonna want to be targeting in drafts if he gets off to a hot start, maybe pick him up for free agency. He'll be uh, classic if-
0: to know where he's sitting there and you always consider when you have that extra night spot because he's always at the top of the uh at the at the pickup range. But um yeah, leave him there, you know, let him ride that, that area. He's a fun guy to, to play at that at that point. But
1: yeah, no. The no. other thing too is we've seen how dominant uh the five V five numbers were uh during his time in Montreal. So um uh, uh, obviously, it's too early to, to know who he's going to be playing with, but you'd imagine that, that it, it should help um, boost the, the 5v5 numbers for whoever his wingers end up being. Uh, you know, Maybe we could see a resurgence from from somebody like Andreas Athanasiu to see you uh, or, or, or Dustin yeah, Brown. Or, or back from Arvidsson. Um, yeah, if Arvidsson end, ends up there. It, there's a lot of possibilities with the way that lineup can shake out. They look like a lot better team this year. D, do you have anything else to add on to know or do you want to move on?
3: Uh well, no. I just want to say I was talking about uh, Dino at a party, you know, just before free agency hit, uh, and I just—it's just such a bummer because he's such a great player. But he—he's the type of player that he's never really going to get his full due uh, until playoff time. And for the longest time, you know, he was obviously, for obvious reasons, not going to get that full recognition in Montreal. They—they they have that crazy run this season. Uh, he's finally getting all the due that you know we feel like he's deserved. We've been pumping his tires for years now. Uh, and you know, just heading into free agency is due for a huge payday, and I'm like, there's no way that a contending team is going to be able to sign this guy to yeah. be their third line center. Like, he should be on a contending team. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a little disappointed that that's you know how it ended up paying out. He's making second line money, so you can't afford to play him to be your third line center. But I just the point stands. I'd love to see Danelle playing down the lineup yeah. on an amazing team, just eating minutes for uh, you know, Connor McDavid to to go to town. But
1: yeah, well. you know what though, it's an interesting landing spot for him. Because he's basically, you know, he's getting his second line money, but then eventually it's going to be, you would imagine, Quinton Byfield as their number one center as Andre Kopitar moves on and Dano can kind of just stay in that role. So it is a nice landing spot for him where he can kind of help uh, Kopitar while they've still got a bunch of young centers coming up through. Uh, the ranks we might as well stick with the Kings here. I mentioned Victor Arvidsson. he was traded uh, from the Nashville Predators to the LA Kings way back on July 1st for a 2021 second and a 2022 third. Um, realistically a very, um, low acquisition cost for somebody uh, as good as Victor Arvidsson. Um, You know, they, they struck kind of early there uh, before the market really had a chance to, to set itself. And I think they got him obviously because of the Seattle expansion draft, but just a a really nice pickup. Uh, But a guy that's definitely looking for some bounce back, uh, a bounce back year here. Uh, only 25 goals in the last two season combined, over 107 games uh but before that a guy that was pretty much you could lock him in for a 30 30 season uh whether he lands with the no uh or Kopitar, I think it's a you know he's going to be in good hands so I I really like Victor Arvidsson uh in a bounce back spot this year how about you D uh
3: yeah I mean he was someone that was desperately due for a change of scenery um kind of, you know, production just sort of inexplicably has fallen off the map the last two seasons. His playing time has, you know, gone down a lot, but it's been more of a, a result of his lack of production than, you know, the other way around. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, obviously it's, you uh, know, he's, he's an easy guy to bet on, you know, coming into this 28-year-old season, just uh, two years removed from essentially three straight 30-goal seasons, like you said, Brock. So, uh, I would have liked to see him, you know, end up on a more maybe free-flowing team that a little more high event at 5v5. I think, you know, um kind of walking into a a pretty similar system there in los angeles that you know the same kind of one that was holding him down for the last few years in nashville uh but nevertheless i I think you know at the very least he's on a new team which he desperately needed should get some new line mates and hopefully play a little bit further up the lineup would love to see what he could do with kopertar for full season because you know they do love uh to staple wings to the hip of kopertar for better or for worse so uh, hopefully that can be arvids this season Uh, i'm a little skeptical but it's certainly better than going back for another season in nashville for him
0: Yeah, we talked about how low scoring Nashville was on last year's podcast. Went through some absolute bonkers numbers um, that brought out D's favorite player, Paul um, becoming letting us realize that he's their all time scorer in a season. But um, yeah, I I think you can only get better than Nashville. Unfortunately, this might be like, you know, kind of a little sideways move better than Nashville. But we also got to watch Dustin Brown become incredibly fantasy relevant last year. If anyone grabbed him, they probably rode him all year, kept him on their team. If they're in a league that's anything 10 teams or up. Um and I think Arvidsson could definitely, you know, slide into that role and become that guy that that you have at the bottom of your roster, but one that you keep around all year. Um, I know that this was probably Brock's favorite player ever for like three years when he was putting up (laughs) 61 points a year. He would come on the show and just Victor Arvidsson, this Victor Arvidsson that. So, you know, in a way, I don't really want to see him do well because I don't want to see Brock get that excited again. But at the same time, uh, you know, I I, I do, I would bet high on Victor Arvidsson this year to have a, a definite comeback year and one where I could see some career numbers going up, but a career number could be 65 points, you know, um, but at the same 30, time, 30, I, 30 I, though, is, yeah, is I know, have it's always on my a good sleeper year. list. Yeah, I definitely um, if I could get this guy on any of my fantasy rosters, I'd be pretty happy because I see L.A. as one of these teams that's a little bit sleeper this year. Um, you kind of dropped it when we talked about to know, you know, they are deep down the middle. They are uh, they're a good hockey um, team. Yeah, they are a good hockey team for once. And they've done some right things and uh, not for once. Sorry, <laughs> but they're a good hockey team for once in the last three years. Um, and uh, and yeah, you know, it's going to be exciting times out in California. There's going to be a lot of better teams there than we've seen uh, last year. And this is a great move, I think for, uh, for Arvidsson in LA. All
1: right. I'm going to roll through the next couple guys a little bit quicker. Uh, Not a whole lot uh, of fantasy uh, relevance here. I mean, Blake Coleman, he goes to Calgary on a six year deal, $4.9 million AAV Uh, Coleman, obviously just a really, really good hockey player. uh, But from a fantasy perspective, really doesn't offer a whole lot, probably going to cap out around 20 goals, 35 points. Uh, Pia Suter, our boy uh, goes to the Ned Red Wings boy. Yeah, on a two-year, $3.25 million deal. Uh, D absolutely loves this guy. Uh, ended up with 14 goals, 13 assists, 27 points in 55 games a year ago. Playing, uh, you know, sometimes with Patrick Kane, sometimes not. Probably not going to have the same ta- same kind of wingers in Detroit. Well, uh, so ch-
0: almost chances,
1: chances are, um, you know, might not be uh, a repeat season for Suter, but still a, a solid pickup uh, for a Red Wings team that desperately needed some help. Uh, Nick Ritchie and Andre Cash leave Boston and they go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nick Ritchie on a two year, 2.5 million AAV tickets. Thanks, uh, Andre Cash, one year, $1 million. Uh, so pretty low uh, risk gambles here for Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs, uh, Nick Ritchie, um, you know, really kind of had a nice bounce back year last year, 15 goals, 26 points in 56 games. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly what we talked about, but I remember when he got hot there for a little while. I think one of our questions was, is he going to score like 10 or 15 power play goals? Yeah. Um, he ended up with five. But uh, he had like it,
0: four at the time on like nine shots or something. Stupid. Yeah. So I, I think he was, he was four for four. Yeah. But
1: uh, yeah. So Richie and cash, obviously D you're a resident Leafs fan. So if you want to, if you want to add a little bit on these guys while we're here, obviously cash, a guy we've been high on for a long time, but just no Friendly ability to stay on the ice uh, in recent years. Do you have anything to add on these two really quickly?
3: No, I think cash is the only one that, you know, offers any sort of real upside this uh, season. Simply, uh, because there is some openings on the wings uh, up the Leafs lineup, and he does shoot the puck a ton. Uh, he just, you know, has never, ever really been able to stay healthy. So I doubt that he'll be playing anywhere close to a full 82 games this season. But if he doesn't, he's in the least top six. Uh, you know, I think he could definitely push for some fantasy relevance. Uh, yeah, happy, happy with the move. It's funny to call it my dream signing, but after the first day or so of free agency, looking at what was left, uh, and the Leafs, you know, still looking like they, they needed a, a solid winger or two up front. Uh, he was definitely the one I had highlighted that I was hoping they would go out, go after. Um, simply because we loved him for a long time on this podcast. He shoots the puck a ton. Uh, and he's always really flashed uh, a, a lot of upside, but never been able to stay healthy. Uh, and when he was, he was playing in Anaheim. So.
1: Yeah. Three games last year. So um, I think, I think the one thing too, just quickly about Nick Ritchie is I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are projecting him to play with Matthews and Marner. Uh, a lot of people kind of pegging him as the potential Zach Hyman replacement, a guy that could go in and step onto the Maple Leafs top power play unit. But I think all of those things together, um, I think are going to make Nick Richie a guy that's going to get drafted. Uh, when he probably shouldn't. So I think I'm going to probably stay away from Nick Ritchie because I think people are going to be like, oh, like he's playing with Matthews Marner. He's on the top power player. He's going to be a stud. He didn't really do that uh, last year in Boston. He was fine, but you know, not great. Um, all right, let's get to some trades now up front. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich uh, got traded from the uh, New York Rangers going to the St. Louis Blues. Um, the... Rangers received Sammy Blay and a 2022 second round pick in return. Uh, Bucnevich is another guy that this podcast has often been pretty high on um a guy that like really for the longest time just kind of had a hard time finding a spot in that lineup for whatever reason uh but once he did he he, he looked really really good uh 20 goals 28 assists in 54 games a Ooh. season ago uh going to st louis obviously going from uh you know playing with Mika advantage ahead or artemi panarin in a very high up tempo games going to st louis probably isn't going to be uh, the best move for him, but he should see plenty of ice time with Ryan O'Reilly or Braden Shen. So there is still room here uh, for Pavel Buchnevich to uh, improve on his career high 48 points in a shortened season. Beebs, anything to add on Pavel Buchnevich really quickly?
0: Not too much. I mean, we saw a lot of his production last year come more in the later half of the year. Um, like you said, 48 points in 54 games. That's an incredible, incredible year for Buc. Um, and uh, a guy like Roar, I think, you know, you mentioned it, you're not going to get anyone better um, than Panarin out there, but Roar is a very, very close replacement as far as the passing game goes. And as far as just having some defensive help. And I think that's really what was holding Buchnevich back. His defensive game wasn't there. At least, you know, he has that guy to help him out. That's kind of, so, you know, I like Buchnevich a lot, especially, uh, like you said, St. Louis needs some people to fill some holes as far as goals go, holes and goals. Um, And with it, tarasenko if he's there it will help you i believe but you know if he's not he um, looks
1: more like a uh, tarasenko replacement than anything absolutely
0: yeah and if that's the case i mean they're going to be asking a lot demanding a lot for him and expecting a lot i mean they traded a good amount for him so um as a fantasy owner i think you can you can grab onto that and uh and enjoy that you're not going to get as much value as you did last year with him as a free agent but um you know i I definitely wouldn't mind having this guy around
1: to further your point there beebs um Forty points, seventeen goals, twenty-three assists in the in his last forty-one games of last season. So, a bit of a slow start. Basically, a point per game player in the last forty games of the year. Uh, D. Pavel Buchnevich.
3: Uh, yeah, I I don't expect him to be pushing a point per game pace in uh, St. Louis, and I'm probably, you know, not quite as high on him at this point as, as maybe you guys are. You know, we singing him his praises for years, and I think a big part of that was the fact that he was so often available on the waiver wire and obviously had potential to be a legitimate top six player, which he is. Um, my biggest concern is I, I don't think he shoots quite enough and I just don't expect it to score enough goals. Um, certainly to, you know, get anywhere near the, you know, production of, of Vladimir Tarasenko. I think if they're expecting that sort of production, they may be in for a bit of a rude awakening. So, you know, he's going to get you a lot of assists. I do think he's going to cap out at around 20 to 25 goals though. Um, so I just think you need to keep that in mind uh, if you're thinking about reaching for Buchnevich, Because to me, he's a guy that probably, uh, like I said, tops out at around 25 goals and maybe 60 to 65 points this
0: year.
1: Yeah, um, if you take, just extrapolate his numbers from that 41-game stretch, puts him on pace for roughly 170, 180 shots, um, which would, yeah, land him rated about 25 goals. So uh, I think that's a nice. very good number for Pavel Buchnevich. Um snipe. Connor Garland uh, goes from the Arizona Coyotes, one of their many moves of the offseason, um, in an absolutely just bonkers trade. <laughs> if you if you missed it, I don't know how you did. Connor Garland and Oliver ekman Larson to the Canucks. Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, Louis Erickson, a first, a second, and a seventh back to the Coyotes. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know. Money. A ton of money, yeah. yeah. Uh, going Big from, money, from, fellas. Uh, But Connor Garland, uh, a guy, another guy that we've really liked on the show, a guy that likes to shoot the biscuit, Um, you know, 135 shots in 49 games a season ago shot just 8.9% bit of a down year after scoring 22 goals the year prior, but uh, I don't think he could have really found a better landing spot. He seems like a perfect complement to Bo Horvat uh, really solidifying that second line in Vancouver, obviously with Elias Pedersen on the top line, Um, you know, they're outstanding, but Bo Horvat kind of was just dragging along Tanner Pearson for a while there. Um, getting somebody like Connor Garland is a oh, perfect fit next to Bo. Um, so, yeah, I think Garland does have uh, potential to be uh, a pretty solid player this year. I don't know uh, just how high the ceiling is yet, but I think he's definitely somebody that's not going to go too, too early and somebody that can definitely make a splash. Uh, D, we talked about Garland a lot last year. I'm sure we'll talk about him a lot this year. Uh, anything to add on Connor Garland?
3: No, I think he. I think he nailed it. Um, he's someone that I have uh, really high hopes for. You know, hopefully he can see more of the Pedersen line, and the Horvat line. I, you know, I kind of doubt it. I don't expect it to work out that way. But obviously, that would be best case scenario for his fantasy prospects this season. Um, the shoot percentage took a dip last year. I think that's important to note. Right at eight point nine. So expect a bit of a bounce back there. I really think if you know um, he continues to see top six minutes, which he got for the first time in Arizona last season. Uh, you know, it's it's coming a bit of a I guess a, a cuff for us here, but I he's another guy that I think can be right around that 30-30 pace uh if he does get that full opportunity in the Canucks top six this season.
1: Yeah, I think the reason I have him pegged to go uh with Bo Horvat is he just kind of plays a little bit more of a of a gritty style game as opposed to somebody like maybe a Brock Besser, and they like to use that Horvat line as in you know a little bit more of a shutdown uh role. So he's probably a little bit better suited there. Um all right, Jakub Voracek and Cam Atkinson were traded straight up for each other, <laughs> uh, which was a little bit surprising, I, I guess. Um, Jakub Voracek going back to Columbus, Cam Atkinson landing in Philadelphia. So obviously this looks like it's a, a nice, a positive move for Cam Atkinson, um, You know, moving away from a team that really doesn't seem to be trending in the right direction uh, and going to Philadelphia where he, there's a very good chance he's going to play with either Sean Couturier or Kevin Hayes. Um, That, you know, Flyers top six was a pretty good source of fantasy uh, points a season ago. And Atkinson's a guy that, you know, we've seen him just get absolutely red hot and carry it through an entire season uh, like he did a couple of years ago in 2019 when he scored 41 goals out of nowhere. Uh, I don't think he's going to score 41, but Biebs, this again, this is another guy who could legitimately score, uh, you know, 30 goals a season in Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of Philadelphia guys are going to get forgotten about this year, too, just because of kind of what happened last year, just at, with them as a team as a whole. But like you said, they did have great fantasy production. Um, stepping right into a great top six. This guy loves to shoot the puck. He's a big Atkinson fan because he rolls hard with them in a keeper league, and I, I can't blame him. He's a great source of goals always, and someone who kind of seems to just uh, always – get shit on um even you know he's come out to the media a few times and had to kind of stand up for himself i can't blame him he's a great player we saw joel farabee start to break out last year i think this could be the year we see him you know really take that next step and if he does that he's right alongside voracek um it's looking like he might be that way but that's kind of uh, like you said if if we're talking hypothetical lines i like atkinson a lot there uh or sorry i said voracek but i like atkinson a lot um and then quickly just on voracek uh, you know you know what you're getting from him it's a lot of assists um, if, if you do draft Voracek you got to make sure that you draft almost an Atkinson at the same time because you, you need those goals he's going to give you 10 goals 50 assists 60 assists he's going to have a good year Um, and he's going back to where he started nearly 10 years ago um, so Voracek mm-hmm. I think he's uh, it's a good thing that Torts got out of town in Columbus for his fantasy take Um, and he should you know just kind of keep doing what he's done the last few years um i don't expect a dip i don't expect a, a rise if anything you know i would have said dip um but now i just expect more power play time for him than what he what he had last year in in, uh, in philly just because they were so stacked but yeah i'll let you go a little bit um because you know that's two two fellows i was touching there
1: D.
3: Yeah, I think I'll, I'll pull. I'll pull, I will pour a little bit of water on the Atkinson fire here. As much as I, I love the guy, uh, first I want to point out that I don't think I've ever actually kept him. I've just drafted oh, him like ten years in you a just row. Just get him every
0: year. Okay, that just yeah, because no out. one else
3: wants him, and uh, like you say, steady source of goals. But um, I think a big part of you know what what made so Atkinson attractive for me year over year, he was such a safe um, bet and a safe, uh, I guess, uh, source of. of goals in fantasy hockey because of how much he was playing in columbus you could count on him to be playing uh 19 even 20 minutes a night uh at times because you know he's a pretty solid two-way hockey player and uh, obviously knows tour systems really well and you know definitely earned his trust in the later seasons so yeah he was a guy who uh like i said you can bank on him playing 19 minutes a night which you know he kind of needed that extra ice time to shoot as much as possible because he's never really shot at a great clip, right? 11% for his career. He's been under 10% each of the last two seasons. Uh, If he does ever have a hot season, we know what the upside is because he does shoot the puck so much. Uh, But I don't expect him to be getting as much ice time in Philly. uh, And I think he could actually see a bit of a decline in fantasy value as a result. Uh, It could still be a decent source of goals, but I think kind of those complimentary assists that just come with playing and shooting the puck that much, that's kind of helped him, keep him in the respectable amount, you know, the 20, 25 assist range. I don't think that's going to be there this season. So I think he could, you know, produce a stat line similar to what we've seen Brandon Saad do uh, in busier lineup, shout out back to him, where you got maybe 20 goals and you're lucky to get 15 assists out of him. I think that might be what we see out of Atkinson this season.
1: Yeah. Um, if you just take a look at Yaka Voracek, basically, if you, you'd imagine that he'll just replace Voracek in that lineup, Voracek playing around 17 minutes each of the last two seasons. So that would represent, you know, a two to three minute decline uh, for Atkinson Ooh. there. Um, and just to point out he uh, even in his last two seasons, like you said, he's, you know, he shot 8.8%, which is down, you know, about 3% from his, his career average. So if he can get that shooting percentage back up, um, I still think he's a guy that can flirt with 25 uh, for sure. Um. All right, Sam Reinhardt was dealt uh, from the Buffalo Sabres to the Florida Panthers. Uh, the Panthers really just have had a tremendous uh, last year. I mean, the Sam Bennett trade seemed to have worked out perfectly. He was absolutely incredible there. Um, and now they get Sam Reinhardt, a guy that can go and, and play with Alexander Barkoff. It seems like a perfect fit. Reinhardt, you know, even though the Sabres were absolute dog shit last year, uh, he seemed to really just kind of, get better as the season progressed and playing next to somebody like Barkoff, I think it could unlock uh, even a little bit more potential out of this guy, but in his last four seasons, 25 goals, 22 goals, 22 goals, 25 goals. Um, and two of those were short seasons, So uh, he's just been absolutely outstanding. Going to Florida, I think can only help his case. Beebs, I think D's pouring a glass of wine. So we'll start with you here on this one.
0: Love that Vino night. Um, and Brock, I don't think that there's someone who we could be more, um, excited for on a new team, I think uh, going into the fantasy season, then Sam Reinhart. Uh, I'm not totally sure his numbers, but I do know the last end of the season there, he was among the league leaders in goals for, and he was on a lot of uh, waiver wires just because he did go so cold with that whole Buffalo team as a whole, but it shows when he does get hot, when he does have the right center there or someone that he is clicking with, he can become an absolute weapon. And we haven't really seen, you know what he was taking second overall in the draft for, fully unleashed i don't think and i don't think and i think that's completely to blame on buffalo and uh same thing with eichel so i think this is really going to be a breakout year for for reinhardt if he sticks right there next to barkov that's the most beautiful situation you could have ever um i i do really like reinhardt this year going in i think this is a huge time sleeper and uh I don't know. I, I I I might just be really really excited for this guy, but I guess just watching all that talent kind of go to the waste last couple of years, I'm excited to maybe see it flourish finally. Um, it'd be great. But if he lets us all down, Sam, I'm gonna be mad at you. Tell you that.
3: Uh, Brock, I missed it while we were at the refreshment bar. I'm not sure if you said it, but have they talked about where he's gonna play in this lineup? Like, do they expect him to be on the wing? Do they expect him to be playing down the middle?
1: I think I, all signs are pointing towards him playing on the wing with Barkov, uh, Bennett sticking in the middle. Obviously, Bennett's been a guy that's played the wing a little bit as well. Um, so it could be, <laughs> Bennett's you Bennett's know, going to get
0: drafted so high this year, it's going to be stupid.
1: Yeah, like he's I mean, it, it, him years. and Jonathan Huberto were, were outstanding together. Whether or not they can replicate that for, for an entire season, you know, it, it, it's interesting because you've got two guys that were drafted as high as, as Reinhardt and Bennett were, that never really worked out. And they seem to have got both of them on the cheap. And if they end up kind of figuring it out and finding the magic that, that got them drafted there so early, um, the, the Panthers could just be an absolute wagon this year. Uh, like Barkov is just so good. Like he is so good. And if Reinhardt spends that entire season next to him, like he, I, the numbers could be incredible. It could be nasty.
3: I, I love Reinhardt. I think for a time you could have made the argument that he was a cheap a cheap man, uh, Alexander Barkov. Uh, you know, and that's why I think it's just, it seems a little bit greedy if Sam Bennett's going to be your second line center to play Reinhardt on the, on your top line on the wing uh, with Barkov when he is such an effective uh, center iceman. So I don't know. I'm a little bit skeptical of that, but I think even if he's uh, playing with Huberto um, on the second line, say he ends up with Huberto and Declare or something similar Uh, Because I think, you know, they should feel good enough about Verhege and Barkov playing together moving forward that hopefully that, you know, gives Huberto um, or that lets them lend Huberto to the second line. Um, So I think, you know, if Reinhardt does end up in that situation, you can still have, you know, a career year in terms of what we've seen out of him in Buffalo and, you know, uh, for counting stats. But obviously the dream from a fantasy standpoint would be for him to play a full season on the right wing of Alexander Barkov. I'm just skeptical because that seems really, really greedy. And it seems like uh, a bold move to think that they can get away with Sam Bennett being their second line center for 82 games.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing that um, it does is it gives them the flexibility, right? They don't have to worry about Sam Bennett maybe not being quite as good as as he was last year. I think you got to go into this year with the mindset like, hey, he's our second line center because it worked tremendously last year for a a, small period of time. And if it doesn't, Reinhardt's obviously shown that he's perfectly capable. And like you said, if if Huberto can resurrect Sam Bennett like he uh, like he did, I mean, playing with Reinhardt's going to be fine. And Carter Verhaeghe put up some of the most insane analytics numbers I've ever seen in a single season from a guy <laughs> of his of his caliber. Um, so there's no reason to think that he's not going to be playing with Alexander Parkoff again next year. So uh, I, I think it's you know it, it could be a bit of a fluid situation, but either way he's in pretty good hands there. Um the, biggest,
3: right. the biggest victim I just want to say of all this is our is our boy Frankie Vetrano, who will almost certainly not be in that top six again this season.
1: Yeah, no, he's just gonna continue to just waste away and yeah. needs to he He needed to be in Seattle. That's what yeah. he needed. Um yeah. All right, that's the fours. You know, a lot of the you know, a lot of other moves were made this offseason, but um, you know we're not we don't have time to talk about all of them. We'd be here for seven hours, and we don't need to do that to you guys. Um, and I frankly don't it's want juicy to see seven there. hours. But uh, all right, let's talk about some defensemen now. The biggest fish on the free agent market this year was Dougie Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Signs a seven-year, nine point zero million dollar AAV ticket to go to the New Jersey Devils. A bit of a surprising landing spot for. Uh, Dougie Hamilton, but this makes this team pretty good. Uh, You know, I don't think anybody realized just how solid they were last year. Um, D D was one of, uh, you know, Jack Hughes' biggest detractors. He had a nice year last year, but D, D admittedly said that he... Played good. Um, And I think that this is still a team that's going to continue to get better. They are a very young team. Um, Actually, one of the forwards we forgot to talk about because it happened today after I wrote the script is Thomas Tatar uh, signed with New Jersey as well. He should slot in next to Nico Heischer, help out that top six a little bit as well. But, you know, I still don't think this is a team that's going to be outstanding. But Dougie Hamilton uh, should have no problem continuing his run of fantasy success in new jersey plenty of capable playmakers on that team uh he's going to make that penalty or that power play excuse me uh a heck of a lot better as well so um a bit surprising to see the devils land the biggest fish in the pond but d does it worry you at all going from carolina to new jersey or is dougie just kind of broken at this point like he's just he's just that good
3: i think in a way he is just in a sense um that I think he's always going to be able to get his shots off at five V five. So I think from a fantasy perspective, uh, and we might see him play more minutes and take on a bigger role than we've ever even seen before. He might even top the 23 minutes he did the last couple of years in Carolina. I certainly think he's capable of it. Um, I know, I think the total probably a lot of people were a little surprised by it. A lot of people maybe thought it was a lot of money to spend on Dougie Hamilton. I, I think it's the type of defenseman that almost never reaches free agency. So uh it was a no doubter that he was going to get, you know, top billing um, on the open market. Uh, maybe people don't quite see him that way, but I, I think he's uh, an awesome two-way defenseman. Uh, you know, is it a good thing for him to be moving over to New Jersey? No, um, but I do think, you know, he's really, as you say, he's going to run be running the show in New Jersey. I think he's going to be playing a ton, uh, and I do think he is good enough to facilitate his own shots at 5v5. The Devils as a whole, as you pointed out, Brock, a lot better at even strength last season. Uh, some of their players, including, you know, Jack Hughes, if you want to say, made some significant <laughs> strides. Um, but as you say, a lot of those strides uh, showed up in his underlying numbers as well, which are great to see. So I am uh, a lot more optimistic about Jack Hughes moving forward than I was after um his rookie season which again always said at the time there was potential for a lot of that change for for such a young player and and he looks to have done that and certainly on the right track in terms of his development this year will be huge for him but all that's to say i you're right brock i think they're a better team than people give him credit for and i do agree um that he is almost that good that you know from a fantasy perspective uh i think he's going to facilitate his own shots and his own chances enough that he's still going to be um worth having as your number one or number two fantasy defenseman he's probably right on that edge maybe around the 11 or 12th ranking uh if I had to just kind of ballpark it without really looking at the rest of them
1: yeah double digit goals uh every season dating back to 2015 Uh, he I think the reason and Biebs I'll let you go here for a second uh on three different teams I, yeah, I think a part of the reason why he is so good is just because he he loves to shoot the puck right he's it doesn't matter who he's on where he is he's going to get the puck on the net um, and, and goals are going to come from that and if he ends up I mean they've got a pretty deep blue line they've got PK Subban on their third pairing now not to say that PK is as good as he once was but the fact that he's on here you know your third pairing now they've got a deep blue line so I'm a little bit concerned about uh you know him maybe setting career highs in, in time on ice but he was also still playing twenty three minutes on like literally one of the best blue lines in the NHL a season ago. Yeah. So uh I'm not worried about his ice time going down that's for sure. Yeah but, they're, uh, not, he's, they're
3: not paying him nine million to uh to put a no you know, damper on his ice time for sure. hundred yeah, percent
0: I, I think we're about to watch him jump into the the high twenties range um this year. Ooh. And uh I, I mean I can definitely Suter's see it like you is- said you don't pay someone that much money. Um Brock, yeah he does have this much talent around him, but how can you ever have any talent better than what Carolina has had the last couple of years on D um they've just had some absolute studs out there and one key fact that I I love I mean kind of for everyone on this team is Nico Heisha returning people yeah. seem to think that he was there last year but he really was and he played like 3 games and this is one of the one of the more better I, I'm just messing my words here up just because I'm getting so excited for Nico, but he's so good two way. Um, he's someone who helps both Ford and D, and someone who could definitely help Dougie here um, as a whole. They got Ryan Graves, they brought in, who's someone who, say, you slap him with Hamilton, he doesn't need to con- contribute at all offensively. Let Dougie take some shots, go nuts. Um, I like this move for Dougie a lot. And I think New Jersey is going to be, if we're talking about LA being a sleeper team, I think New Jersey is probably the sleepy sleepiest of all the teams for me um i could see this team, you know competing all year being on the edge of playoffs um they brought in jonathan bernier so the tendy situation is a lot more steady there um all this bodes well for guys like dougie um maybe i'm getting a little excited but again 10 straight years of or seven straight years of 10 plus goals i love that from a d-man um yeah i think dougie dougie's a win if you can get him this year
1: I think what a lot of the misconception about the Devils is, is like if you go to dailyfaceoff.com and you click on their line combos, you see like, okay, you've got Yanni Koukounen and Igor Sharongovich on the top line. The average fan probably has no idea who either one of those guys were. But if you take a little bit of a deeper look, it's like this that line was so good at 5v5 last year, like, there's a reason that they're up there. Like they yes. were outstanding, and so when you dig a little deeper, like okay, this seems legit. And you know, adding someone like Thomas Tatar now moves Pavel Zaka probably back to the middle as a third line center. Now you've got Hughes, Heisher, and Zaka. Uh, even Jesper Boqvist, former first round pick, they're deep down the middle. They look at like saw a really really quality team. Um, and then, just again, um, it, it, it's annoying with the, the the two shortened seasons that we've had. It's so hard to like kind of just figure out all the numbers, right? Like with the way things have gone. Uh, but if you look at what Dougie's done in the last two years over an 82 game stretch, he'd be on pace for 18 goals this year. So, um, no reason for him, you know, to not to doubt him uh, to get back to that 20 goal mark potentially. So, are uh, the part- same
0: people who are asking about you know the Saragovich? Um, aren't they the same people who a year ago were saying you know well is Philip fill a number one center Um saying you know and now we're looking at him get 5.5 so um
1: it's exactly right yeah, yeah. You also got, you take-
3: uh, i feel like important to note the devils have been one of the teams linked to have trade interest in tarasenko as well Ooh. um and i think that's the one thing that really jumps out when you look at this team if you go to dailyfaceoff.com and you pull up uh, their line combinations right now um, is who's going to score the goals. Right. And again, that bodes well for Dougie's fantasy value this season. Uh, but if you're a devil's fan, looking at a team right now, you're really looking at the wings and, and thinking it looks um, rather dire. Right. So uh, yeah, they have a lot of cap space still. I certainly think, you know, despite, despite the fact that they signed to I definitely don't think that took them out of the running for Tarasenko by any means. Um, so who knows, maybe we can ask rank for an update on, on a situation, but that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, and you know, I think I'd be laying a futures bet for the devil's to sneak into the playoffs if, if they pull that off. Nice.
1: Yeah. So. It, and you know, I think even adding to tar does certainly doesn't take you out of the running because I think it even now allows you to maybe move some current roster players, which I would imagine mm-hmm. you'd have to do to get somebody like Tarasenko, whether it's a, a yes for Brad or something like that. Um, so yeah, moving on here. Uh, so funnily enough, it we looks like, about it. it looks like the power play replacement for Dougie Hamilton in Carolina is Tony D'Angelo. Uh, he signs a one year, $1 million contract to go to the hurricanes. Um, the hurricanes were absolutely pinching pennies this summer. Um, you know, the old narrative that they don't like to spend money certainly came back this off season. Um, so I think that they kind of just threw caution to the wind at this one and said, hey, if we can get a guy uh, of this guy's caliber at, you know, $1 million, let's just do it and we'll, we'll worry about the rest later. Um, D'Angelo was kind of a guy that everybody, uh, Biebs, I know you 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 were heavily invested in him a year ago. Guilty. Um, we're really expecting kind of, uh, I guess, maybe like the Adam Fox breakout yeah. to be a little bit, you know, well, no one they expected were expecting D'Angelo to, stuff no, no, but like people were expecting D'Angelo to take a little bit of, of that, you know, uh, Adam Fox breakout on that top power play unit. Uh, and then yeah, all the off ice stuff, you know, obviously ends up getting bought out. Um, and lands, you know, pe- people didn't think he was going to, you know, maybe ever find a, a home in the NHL again, but, uh, the hurricanes were really, uh, you know, willing to take this gamble. Um, and I, I do think like, obviously he, he's probably going to be in their top four now they, they've lost quite a bit, um, on the back end. So I'm, you know, I'd imagine he's in this top four. Um, I would imagine he's going to be on the top power play unit. And I, I think there is, you know, reason to be optimistic, uh, about taking D'Angelo as, you know, maybe your fourth defenseman, uh, you know, in fantasy, because, uh, he can definitely put up some numbers This team, you know, didn't really, they got worse, but a lot of the big dogs are still there, right? So there's still going to be a pretty good power play. uh, If he ends up being the one that replaces Dougie Hamilton, I think he could have a pretty good year.
0: Yeah. I think honestly in fantasy, it's going to be much like what Carolina did in real life. You're going to be able to take him at a point where it's kind of a low risk, high reward thing. And if it is a high reward thing, that's going to be very good for your fantasy team. As you mentioned, he should just slot right in where Dougie was. Um, and there's a reason that we were so high on this guy, and we did think he would be what Adam Fox was. Someone was going to be that guy in New York, and between him or Tony D, he has that capability. It's been a, it's been a rough year. Um, Tony D's got some some things to figure out, but I mean, he's on the road. Like this is. Isn't this his chance to prove himself? This is his bridge year, so you know. Um, I expect him to come out flying, expect him to be just taking advantage of every single power play minute. And someone, if he doesn't play a minute of 5v5 of ice because you know they might not even need him to, that doesn't matter whatsoever less as fantasy owners, as long as he's touching that, that top power play. Um I mean, it matters a little bit. I'm being yeah. Clear, I mean, I'm but even in his, his
1: 15 it, goal season yeah. in 2020, he he only scored three power play goals. He had 12 and even strength. So he's a guy that can get it done. Yeah. Uh, it's you not know, like I, a
0: liability. Yeah. I, I think he's, you know, it's um a lot of people are going to say, you know, he's a $1 million player. He's not a $1 million player. No, he's it's much, just much, much yeah. better. And, uh and, and yeah, this is someone I would, I personally, if I can get him on any fantasy teams, I mean, Whoever wants to shame me for that, go
1: ahead. Uh, but but <laughs> I, I mean, I, at this I point, if him. the Hurricanes are taking the gamble, I, I don't think we have to worry about drafting him in fantasy hockey. Exactly. Um, yeah, it, it is there, la-
0: you got. You got to worry about other things.
1: Um, in his last three seasons with the Rangers, he averaged 19 minutes and 16 seconds. So he's a guy definitely, definitely yeah. capable of playing in the top four. Uh, and then if you just extrapolate his shot totals over that time, I uh, would put him on pace for about 10 goals. So uh, definitely a guy that could probably get to double digits. Do you have anything to add on Tony D? D? nice
3: uh no i will say it feels like it's kind of a bad taste by the hurricanes you know uh yeah because there's absolutely no way he doesn't overperform that one million dollar cap hit. but someone was obviously you know going to take advantage or be able to take advantage of the fact that, that um you know his personality issues or whatever you want to call it his issues off the ice his clashing with teammates uh it all you know severely drove down on the price of tony d so the fact i got to sneak him in at a million i'm a little bit bitter about because yeah there's no way he's not going to overperform that cap hit uh and everything like you guys said i don't think he needs to uh play a lot i don't think he needs to carve out a big role at 5v5 to be able to be an effective uh fantasy defenseman um especially with talent around him up front that'll be playing with him on the power play so yeah i think he'll be uh, a good option this season
1: Uh, All right, Philadelphia was making moves uh, for better or for worse (laughs) all offseason long. Uh, One of which, the one that they made first, which looked like, hey, this is going to be uh, a a great offseason for the Flyers, was acquiring our boy Ryan Ellis from the Nashville Predators. They gave up Philippe Myers and Nolan Patrick in return. Um, A bit of a, a bizarre return for somebody as good as Ryan Ellis, Uh, I mean, Myers is a solid for sure. Nolan Patrick really hasn't shown anything yet. Um, The the Predators ended up flipping Patrick to the Golden Knights for Cody Glass, who hasn't really shown much yet either. Uh, So a bit of a, you know, not a great return uh, for the Predators, but for the Flyers, an absolutely tremendous nice addition. Uh, Ryan Ellis, obviously, you know, a Windsor alert, played for the Spitfires here in Windsor. So we absolutely
0: – D- so Yeah, no so sport.
1: obviously a guy that this this podcast is very high on, but – uh, for good reason. He's been an absolute machine. Uh, you know, injuries have been a concern at certain points throughout his career. He only appeared in 35 goals, uh, in the most recent season, but picked up 18 points over that stretch. So, uh, he's a guy that goes to Philadelphia will definitely be getting top power play consideration. Uh, Ivan Provorov, obviously a guy that's shown capable, uh, of, of handling, uh, that top power play role as well. So, um, you know, I don't think we have to worry too much about Ryan Ellis as long as he can, you know, stay healthy. Uh, but yeah. this is this is a huge Windsor alert, so I'm sure Beebs is about to pop off. So, what do you got to say? Oh
0: yeah, I was popping off left, right, and center. I'll say with the trade deadline, with all the Windsor alerts, and then the draft. There's just a consistent amount of Windsor alerts this year, so it was just Windsor alert city for the last for the last couple of weeks, and I've just been loving it. And I'm sure you guys all have too. Um, but Ryan Ellis, yeah, I, I, uh, it's someone we were talking about before last year. His numbers definitely hurt just due to the injury. But before last year, we'd always talk about him as just a model of consistency that no one really thinks about. He was in the top 20 in scoring over the last five years, um, consistently among all D-men, just because he was always out there. Um, and, and you know, it. Uh, him going over to Philly, I don't think is really going to hurt his situation. Obviously, he's not playing alongside Romagnosi or around Roman Yossi. But at the same time, Ivan is that next big breakout player. We do love him. And it looks like Ryan Ellis should slot in with him. For so sure. both 5 B 5 and PP time. I do really like Ryan Ellis out there. Um, I, I would love to have him on my team. I think it's someone you're going to be able to steal like you have in previous seasons. Um, last year's health, last year's numbers are going to look brutal going into the draft. So a lot of people are going to sleep on this guy. And uh, you know what we don't sleep on over here on the DFO podcast is wins alerts. So uh, Ryan Ellis... Um, it- I'm uh, I'm definitely super biased, but at the same time, I think he's he's gonna have a nice season on a team that's uh, gonna surprise people.
1: Yeah. So he, uh, if you add the last two seasons combined, where he was banged up in each of them, uh, he played a total of 84 games, so basically a full season. In that time, 13 goals, 43 assists for 56 points, 189 shots. So just ridiculous numbers. Uh, it's just kind of a matter of if he can stay healthy or not. D uh, Ryan Ellis.
3: Yeah, I would just say uh, you want to be careful to reach for him. Obviously, the injuries are a concern as well. Also, I just think that blue line, it's a bit of a mystery in terms of how the minutes uh, and the roles are going to shake out this season. Um, There's so many changes, like even, you know, bringing in guys like Yandel and Risto Linen, both kind of known to be sort of power play specialists. Obviously, Yandel much more than Risto. um, But Risto, again, certainly a guy that you would think – would bore some consideration for power play time with, with his shot. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's a slam dunk that, you know, he's going to be playing upwards of 25 minutes a night and, you know, commanding the top power play unit. So that's a bit of a concern and the injuries on top of that, all to say that I wouldn't reach for Ryan Ellis, but if he fell to me as my third or fourth fantasy defenseman, uh, I'd be happy to take him. But yeah, I'm a little bit weary. Awesome.
1: In addition to picking up Windsor Ryan Ellis, uh, the Flyers also picked up our boy Risto! Risto! Uh, (laughs) But uh, Risto's kind of fallen out of favor uh, in recent years. Obviously not not really uh, what you would call an analytics darling, but a guy that plays with a ton of edge, uh, a guy that can still eat a lot of minutes on on the Flyers' blue line, but uh, a massive price to pay giving up Robert Hag a first uh, and a second round pick to the Sabres for Risto Linen. Um, it, you know, he's not really a guy that's put up, a. you know, he was he was somebody who we love for, for a period of time because of how consistent the numbers were, uh, you know, basically a lock for, for 40 points every single season. Uh, 2021 20, was definitely not his year, but the Sabres were absolute dog shit. So uh, not a guy that I'm like super excited to be drafting this year, unfortunately. But um, if you're in a hits league, he's an absolute beast. Ah, uh, you can count on him for over 200 hits, and you never know; he could still get up to 40 40 points if he gets lucky. I think it's pretty unlikely that he ends up playing. You know, when he was getting 40 points, he's playing 25, 26 minutes a night. It, like you said, it, there's a it's a busy blue line in Philadelphia, and it's it's hard to envision him, um, you know, commanding that much ice time this season. But still, a yeah, guy probably. that seems yeah, no, like sorry. a decent bet.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, it, it is hard to. Uh, imagine or it's hard to pinpoint exactly who's going to be running that top power play unit more than anything else. Obviously you'd expect guys like Provorov and Ellis to eat the minutes at even strength. Uh, But I think, you know, you can kind of easily envision a world uh, or three worlds where Ryan Ellis, Ristolainen, or Yandel could be running that top unit, right? Or even essentially uh, an Ivan Provorov if they want to push that, that center of his development this season, right? So there's a lot of options in terms of uh, the power play time. So, bristol may be someone to keep an eye on in terms of or just in case he does kind of sneak onto that top unit um but yeah otherwise i'd certainly think that he's gonna have a hard time uh matching what he's done for the last few seasons in buffalo
1: yeah even the last couple of years like he's had a bit of a difficult time getting that power play usage because of Rouse mustall so i i i honestly i think he was he'd probably be fourth in the pecking order on on that blue line for power play time. So it makes me a little bit nervous about him there. Um, We mentioned this trade a little bit earlier, Oliver Ekman Larson uh, accompanied Connor Garland going from the uh, Arizona Coyotes to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, You know, the, It's funny because like they got out of some cap hell with some of those just garbage players with terrible contracts. Um, but then they bring in Oliver Ekman Larson, who has a massive ticket still. Uh, but still a guy that, you know, his his production has fallen off in recent years. Um, but he's a guy that was just a consistent double-digit goal, sometimes 20, uh, you know, 40 assists or so 40 points like I don't think he's that player anymore, but I still think he's a guy who you are going to get much later than you should in fantasy circles this year. Uh, I think it, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him to find uh, power play time similar to, to Risto uh, because, you know, Quinn Hughes is going to be on that top power play unit. Almost certainly uh, whether they go with two defensemen, I guess would be kind of an option for them there, but um, just a guy I used to love. I, I think you're going to be, able to get him way later than you normally do though
3: I think if you want to roster him and you want to draft him you're probably going to be able to because I think yep. most people are going to look and see Quinn Hughes is really the only fantasy viable option so if you believe that Hughes or sorry if you believe that Eklund Larson uh can push and kind of even you know just a couple of years removed from a 1430 season if he can replicate that yeah certainly he's going to be worth rostering over the full season right so if you're believing in Eklund Larson bounce back i you know i haven't seen any early adps yet but i would imagine uh like i said if you want them i, I would imagine you're probably going to be able to get them as your third cert or as your fourth but certainly third defenseman uh on draft day
1: and this looks like a team that should score some goals right like they've got some weapons up front you know adding garland you know petterson uh that team is looks like a team that should be pretty offensive it didn't quite turn out that way last year had some injuries but uh I wouldn't be surprised if he has a decent year, but I agree. I think yeah. you're just if you want him, get him. Yeah, yeah. no one's no one's taking that top
0: uh, top offensive defenseman spot from from our boy Hughes over there. So um OEL, I think the best best case you're going to get is you know have bottom of your roster production. Um So yeah, if you want him, take him. Please take him because I'm not going to be touching him. So if anyone's in any of the drafts that I listen to, take him, please. Yeah,
1: I'm actually pretty interested in him. I, I really am. I, I, I would him. say.
3: In your point, Brock, he had some really good years alongside, uh, you know, a guy like uh, Goligoski, who wasn't producing at the same level as obviously what we think Quinn Hughes is capable of. But uh, certainly, someone who uh, was a great offensive defenseman, eating a lot of power play minutes. And Ekman Larson, obviously, still had some really productive years alongside him. So I think it's a possibility, and I, I hear you. But yeah, certainly not a slam dunk, but it, it's a low risk. Like I said, I think yeah, exactly. drink draft, Brock. And I had see written, how it plays
0: out. I had written down here he's probably going to continue to get drafted way higher than he should be as he's done the last few years. And I, I, trade I just so. secured that. Um That's all I had written down. So that's hilarious. Cause when you started going, I was like, geez. Um, but uh yeah, for me, I just, OEL, I
1: really, I just, I think people have soured on him, right? He hasn't been that good. Like, I yeah, think he, he probably burned sour. a lot. He, he burned a lot of people probably. Last I don't think year, anyone's
3: so. excited about him going to Vancouver either. No, From a, a you know, it's funny though. Like,
1: poker. so like for, from a fantasy perspective, him. I still think he's going to be fine from a real life hockey perspective. Like he's he brilliant. is, he has gotten he's gotten worse in his own end, and that's a team that already struggled defensively. So it could be a it could be a little bit funny to watch him out there struggle a little bit defensively. It'll be interesting to, to see what
3: happens because he's been banged up the last few seasons too, right? So uh, I honestly thought it was great value for the draft picks that they sent the other way. I thought it was a great haul to get Ekman Larson, who at the very least you know he can eat twenty two, you know, upwards uh, anyway twenty plus minutes a game and and a very serviceable forward. Uh, with a lot of team control in Connor Garland, so I thought it was a great trade and a great haul overall. Uh, with a lot of upside, and it's hard to imagine it, you know, go really, really south for them. But you know, I think I, people I are just a, like
1: out. Vancouver fans are a little bit upset just with the term that he's got. It is a big ticket still, but I mean, for this season to move out some of the guys that they did and bring in somebody oh. like. Like Ekman Larson, I think. Get rid of
0: Louis Erickson, I think is the biggest win. Like that that Louis Erickson contract just J Beagles J
1: Beagles and Antoine Roussel's contracts weren't much better either. But, but all right, they don't another... talk
0: about those because of how bad Louis 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 was. Yeah, So yeah, yeah, it was it's a so good bad. thing he's gone.
1: I think every single free agent that was signed that offseason's been traded. Yeah, um job betting. So the last big uh, the last big trade that happened on defense was Seth Jones going from the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets to the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, another defenseman, Adam Boquist, going the other way. So we'll talk about both of these guys here. Uh, from an analytics perspective, Seth Jones uh, seems to be trending in the wrong direction. Uh, it's not to say that he can't uh, improve, but the, the massive contract that he signed, I think the is definitely going to be uh, a bit of a risk, but still just 26 years old. We'll be 27 by the time the season starts. Um, You know, the offensive numbers, not terrible. He had 28 points in 56 games a season ago, 30 points in 56 games a season prior Um, career high, 16 goals, 41 assists for 57 points in 2018 he's going to be the big dog in Chicago. There's no more oh. Duncan Keith. Adam Boquist is gone as well. So this is Seth Jones blue line to run. Uh, it's just a matter of if the analytics are speaking the truth about Seth Jones or if he is actually in the decline. Uh, but he is definitely going to be on that top power play unit. That's going to feature the likes of uh, Patrick Kane and Alex to So I still think, you know, whether or not he is kind of trending downwards, um, from a real hockey perspective, I still really like Seth Jones from a fantasy perspective in 2021, 22. Biebs, what do you think?
0: Absolutely. Um, stepped into one of the hottest power plays. You said it, um, you know, he's, he's got Patty King around. Always him. a hot power play. Yeah. Always a hot power play. doesn't even matter how shit that team's doing. They could be we're seeing in the league, but you know, that power play is going to bang and Seth Jones, I think is going to have a, have a great year out there. Um, He's out. He's been in towards his shadow too for the last bit. Um, I mean, that could either help or hurt people, but I don't think it ever really helps people offensively. Now, just you know, letting him letting him loose there. Um, I, I I could totally see career highs coming from Seth Jones this year. I'm not necessarily um, you know jumping the gun uh, for him as as my number one D man, but if you can get him as a number two D man on your fantasy roster, I'm gonna be pretty excited about that. Um, they paid a ton for him, and there's a reason. And uh, and yeah, with the with those pieces around him. Um, it could be really interesting what happens with Seth Jones this year. I would love to see him have a have a huge point here. Um, really really become a top ten solidified fantasy D man. But um, you know what? That's gonna probably not happen. But we'll see.
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, he's always had to battle for those minutes with Rawinski yeah, and Columbus, that. right? Um, you guys said it. A lot of great power play talent uh jeremy calton is a registered power play genius so I, I i love the move for him going into chicago um and yeah i, I do think he's going to score uh a, a decent amount of goals this season i think he's going to put up a lot of points he's going to play a ton of minutes um and yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens you know in terms of uh, his real life production the analytical side of things um because i think it's hard to say it's you know it's He's still just 26 years old he'll be 27 this season um, so certainly he's had a down year or so this will be kind of uh, you know the deciding year and uh, i guess in that regard uh, new team new change of scenery as to whether it really is uh you know trending in the downward direction or maybe just an off season and a half um so yeah we'll see what happens but either way i think he's going to
1: be uh, a great source of uh, goals and assists on the back end this year Uh, going the other way was Adam Boquist. Boquist had a pretty nice uh, season a year ago, finished the year with 16 points in 35 games, not a whole lot to like in terms of the shot volume, only 39 shots in 35 games. Um, But, a pure offensive defenseman in every sense of the word. Uh, the problem for him is that he's obviously, you know, same problem uh, with Seth Jones is he's going to be behind uh, Zach Rwenski, most likely in terms of the pecking order for the power play. Uh, but the good news for him is that the rest of that blue line looks pretty mediocre at best. Um, and Zach Rwenski has been a guy that just plays a ton of ice time. So if they are together, Bokus could see uh, well over 20 minutes a night this season, uh, which, you know, could make him a very nice, uh, you know, basically last round pick, very late, um, maybe a dynasty edition, something like that. Like, I don't think he's going to be outstanding this year, uh, but definitely a guy I think you should keep your eye on heading into uh, your drafts. If you guys, yeah, we else. don't know.
3: We don't know what he's going to do if he gets 23 minutes a night yet, right? He's a completely yeah, exactly. unknown commodity in that regard. He had a half-decent season playing just 17 minutes. So, yeah, I'm totally with you. Um, who knows? Like, your guess is as good as ours about what I'm... he could do uh, in a full-time role. So, if he gets that opportunity, certainly worth keeping an eye on.
0: I've and said there's... it on this show before. He is literally, like, the dirtiest um, junior hockey defenseman I've ever seen play. Uh, so, if that can in any way translate. Better than Ryan it... Ellis? I, e- think his, it's they're,
1: they're, they're both, I think it's a toss-up. There, there, there. I think it's twenty goals. To me. His twenty goals, <laughs> forty assists Junior hockey. <laughs> yeah, on. I don't think he was better than Ryan Ellis. Yeah, but. that's true. But yeah, he was. But still, twenty goals, there. forty assists, sixty points in his only uh, season with the London Knights. He was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how that all shakes out. And it's not to say that he can't. You know, maybe they go with two, two. Uh, defenseman on the top power play unit. He's just feeding Patrick Laine bombs all, all season long. Yeah, so or he's know.
0: passing it to Voracek, who's passing it to Laine, who's ripping the bomb in yes. an even better position. So, you know. Oh,
1: Voracek. Um, all right, let's get to Dylan Berthi's favorite part of the show. It is goaltender time. Um, so uh, here's what we're going to do for the oh, it a little bit, takes a little bit different. I'm just going to roll through the big signings and big uh, trades in the goaltender position, and then we'll kind of talk about them quickly, maybe rank them out a little bit. Um, And just kind of go through them a little bit quicker than we went through the forwards and defensemen. But this goaltending carousel was absolutely nuts uh, this offseason. So let's start with Philip Grubauer, who leaves Colorado, signs with the Seattle Kraken. uh, Six years, 5.9 million AAV. Uh, Replacing him um, in Colorado is Darcy Kemper, who was acquired from the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Then Linus Allmark goes to Boston at four years, $5 million per Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta go, both go to Carolina. Uh, two times 4.5 for Freddie, two times two for Auntie Ranta. Replacing Frederick Anderson in Toronto is James Brown or is Peter Berazic, imagine James Reimer went back. Is Peter Berazic at three years, 3.8 million AAV. James Reimer goes to San Jose to replace Martin Jones, who was bought out uh, and is now in Philadelphia as Carter Hart's backup. James Reimer gets two years, 2.25 million. The um, Sharks also added Aiden Hill in a trade with the Arizona Coyotes. They sent a 2022 second round pick and Joseph uh the other way there. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury was traded for legitimately nothing. Uh, he goes to Chicago where he has uh, said he will play. He's not going to retire. So they literally got the Vesna Trophy winner for nothing. They got a third-round pick for Ryan Reeves. Have at that with if you want to. Uh, Daniel Vlader, the uh, Darth Vlader Goes from the Boston Bruins to the Calgary Flames to be Jakob Markstrom's backup to make room for Linus Allmark, who will most likely split time with Jeremy Swayman. So that's a lot to digest. Um, I guess what we need to start with here is just Philip Grubauer to Seattle, Darcy Kemper um, to Colorado, um, D. You weren't here last week. Beavs, uh myself, and Frank talked about this situation a, uh, a little bit already. So we'll let you start here. With just kind of what you think about this whole situation. I know you, uh, you know, like Darcy Kemper quite a bit. I uh, was really, really good a couple of years ago. Going to Colorado, he should be absolutely outstanding.
3: Yeah, I think um, you know it's an exciting move. He's similar to the guy that just left there, until Grubauer. That he's probably been underappreciated for a number of years now. Uh, And if you look at, you know, his numbers, he's really just never done anything uh, but perform whenever he's gotten the chance to play. So, um, you know, Grubauer, you know, I know I'm jumping into Grubauer, but I thought the money was a little bit steep there. But it's like Kemper where, you know, the performance has has warranted it, uh, regardless of whether or not the name really really carries that weight. So, uh, yeah, Kemper was obviously, uh, you know, he's been hurt a lot the last few seasons. You know, last year wasn't a great showing for him. He's on the wrong side of 30 now. Uh, But I do still really like his chances of being a great fantasy goalie um, for the Colorado Avalanche at the very least. I think even if he turns in a league average save percentage uh, and starts a lot of games, uh, he'll be, you know, returning a lot of W's um, for your fantasy team. So, uh, yeah, there's a bit of, you know, some ifs, ands, or buts there. uh, If he can stay healthy, if he is healthy, is he really going to get Uh, a full starters workload. We've really only seen uh, that from him one time in 2018, 19 season with Arizona. That was the only time um, he topped more than 31 starts in a season. So uh, a lot of ifs, ands, or buts here, but obviously a lot of potential, um, you know, I think maybe I'd be drafting him after some of the other established starters on the really good teams, right? Obviously I love Colorado. I'll take Colorado's goalie every single night of the week in fantasy hockey um but i'm just a little bit concerned that that might not be uh darcy comper for 75 percent of the games
1: yeah the the one thing um that's obviously the biggest concern for him is the health but the, you take a look at it uh from a season ago uh the, the arizona coyotes gave the fourth most scoring chances against at 5v5 in the entire nhl colorado on the other hand the least scoring chances against in the entire league. They are an absolute wagon. Um, he's going to be playing behind an extremely good team. And he's just honestly ginormous. Yeah, like he's he, just he, so big. I'm like every single time there's a shot on him, I'm like, I've used four on him. He's ginormous. But uh, Beebs, obviously you guys, you got to be pretty happy about Darcy Kemper as an Avs fan.
0: Yeah, super happy about Darcy Emper. Um, And I won't lie, having just hearing Frank kind of solidify it last week was just straight up music to my ears. It, it, we 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 let it out as a video, and I was worried that people could actually see me just kind of like lose it for a second there. Um, and, and it was it was the best thing. But I think D nailed it. I want a goalie who's solidified, who's someone who's going to get a lot of starts. And one thing going into last year that a lot of people forget is that Pavel Frank Coors is, exists. In general and that's someone who's coming back for colorado his health is still up in the air but well maybe someone, yeah it is someone who they expected to get almost a 60 40 split or some even had him at a 50 50 going into last year mm-hmm. and if that would have happened grubauer is not getting a six million dollar contract right now at 5.9 so for me it's just you know they still have um let's jj jo- jonas johansson that yeah. big ass huge teddy they still have him kicking around um they are a team that can totally afford on the weaker nights when they do play the weaker teams to play the JJ's to play the Franku's um, and to kind of give Kempfer the rest that he's going to need and that he deserves. And that might hurt them fantasy wise. That might hurt your guy fantasy wise. So, yeah, so I'm not necessarily jumping the bit for this guy, but at the same time, if you do get him, he's going to obviously um, I, I, I could have him as a goaltender one for sure. He's going to get wins. Um, he might not get peppered with shots, but going to get wins, going to get a lot of... Uh, we, we've seen him perform before. Um, I do like this guy in general, but just maybe not as much as everyone else
1: or maybe not as much as... See, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think he's a very interesting case because I yeah. think as a guy who's played very well, uh, you know, going to this team, I think he's probably going to go too early. Yeah, um, I think so but, too. Every but guy. at this... Like, I think he's just a little bit riskier than some of the other top options, but he has a legitimate chance a legitimate chance of being the number one goalie in fantasy hockey. Like realistically, he could be the best goalie in fantasy hockey next year, but it's a, it's a gamble. So uh, I'm a little concerned about how early he will go or how early, I guess, I guess, I guess how early I would be willing to take him, but he could be, the best goalie face At the show. same time,
0: if you do gamble on him, I think, you know, it's not really like a super risk. Like you're not like holy No, shit, no, what's no, he doing. no, um, no,
3: but it's just it's just like I said, I think you want to take those other established starters on, on you know, the yeah, other really sure. good teams just ahead of Kemper. Because I do think Frank Who's uh or however you want to say his last name, I apologize to our boy Pavel, but um He is he, our boy. I've seen it
0: pronounced like 10 different ways, so I
3: can't keep yeah. up. But Even the announcers um, can't do it, so you're good. I, I think he's going to get at least 30 games regardless if Kemper's healthy or not, because I think they're going to look at what Kemper's went through the last couple of years. They're going to look at uh, how well uh, you know that's worked for them uh, them in the past, with Grubauer and Franthu's last couple of years. So uh, yeah, I, I do think it's going to be a bit of a committee either way. I think it's going to be best case, like 60-40, 65-35 for Kemper. Um, so yeah, I, I would hesitate, uh, and I definitely wouldn't take him, like I said, over those other top tier fantasy goalies on, on the good teams. But certainly I think if you do end up with him as your number one fantasy netminder, as long as he wasn't one of the first, you know, five or six off the board, I, I think that's a fine spot to be in. And like you say, Brock, uh, certainly when he's in there and again, it depends on how many games he plays, but it has the potential to be the best goalie in fantasy hockey.
1: Yeah, Frank brought up a really good point last week, too, and how this is going to be a condensed schedule because of the Olympics this year uh, as well. So you're going to see goalies get rested probably a little bit more than they normally do, especially a guy like Kemper, who I don't know where he may stand now. But I remember this time last year when, you know, your TSNs or whatever was trying to project Team Canada A lot of people had Darcy Kemper as potentially Canada's starting goaltender. Um,
0: If he goes off on a tear this year and, you know,
1: and he he might be. So then that's another reason where he's going to probably get a breather coming back when he, you know, heading into the Olympics, coming back from the Olympics. There's a lot to kind of uh, to take in this year for sure. Um, All right. We're not going to dive too much deeper into uh, all of these guys, but I do want to talk about Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, obviously uh, Vesna Trophy winner last year, totally just absolutely disrespected by the Vegas Golden Knights, it seems. Uh, But he had a 198 save percentage and a nine or 198 goals against average 928 save percentage uh, went 26 and 10 a year ago. Uh, Just to bring up the numbers again here, uh, Vegas was about middle of the road last year in terms of scoring chances against. Uh, Chicago gave up the second most scoring chances against uh, in the entire league last year. Uh, obviously, Chicago feels like they did quite a bit uh, to bolster their blue line this offseason, bringing in uh, Nathan Boy- or is it Boyu and Seth Jones, Um, also Caleb Jones. I don't know. Like, they're both... Uh, are, Their blue line does look a little bit better. I've still got Calvin DeHaan as long as he doesn't get traded, Connor Murphy. So, uh, you know, it does look like a team that could be a little bit better defensively than they were a year ago. But you always have to be worried going from a team that's, you know, as good at 5v5 as Vegas is going to a team that has historically struggled defensively. Um, So chances are Marc-Andre Fleury, um, you know, Chances of him replicating those numbers from a year ago almost zero. Um, but I still think he's a guy that can can kind of turn in like a nine eighteen save percentage and a two fifty five goals against average and have a pretty good record.
0: Yeah, um, I, I don't really know what more to add on there. Obviously, you can't get better than being Vegas, the Vesna winner in Vegas. Um, so I I think he's gonna be a guy who's gonna be taken off the board really early for a lot of teams. So I don't even think I'm gonna have a chance to to touch this guy or even think about him. And I uh I'm 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 completely fine with that. Um, you know, it's um your 38 year old goaltender, 37 year old goaltender. That's all I'm gonna say.
3: I uh yeah, I, I think as um hockey fans and fantasy hockey players, we can get too hung up um and too focused on, on how talented. Uh, a goalie as an individual player may be. And um, I, I don't think enough people realize that in fantasy hockey, you're more or less just drafting that team's goaltender. Like you're, you're drafting the team's goaltending stats. You're not drafting their individual Isolated save percentage, right? Like you, you're drafting the team save percentage and the team goals against average when they're on the ice. Yes, he's the goalie, but he's just that last line of defense, right? So if you ask me, do I want Chicago Blackhawks goaltender? Uh, <laughs> when you know you look at what their defense has been and the amount of goals, the amount of scoring chances they've given up for the last two or three seasons. It's a fat no, right? So I no. I absolutely do not think that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be able to sustain yeah. a 928 save percentage in Chicago. Uh, he will most definitely not be able to keep a goals against average below two in Chicago. Uh, so I, I don't think any of his stats are going to translate over. I think we're going to see numbers pretty similar to his last uh, few years in Pittsburgh. I think he's going to be a bottom of the roster goalie. I'd be really mm-hmm. concerned about him even as my number two
2: because I think he's you're going really going to have to... One.
3: Yeah, I think you're really going to have to pick and choose your starts because we've seen what great goalies do on bad teams in, in terms of fantasy hockey. Like they're still not great to own, right? You, you're price. still you're hoping that they're going to give you a good save percentage, and and probably still their goals against is going to hurt you. And you know, one out of three games they might get a win. Like we saw what the difference between Laner and Buffalo and Laner and Vegas, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it, it's, night and, it's night and day. And yeah, you essentially are drafting that the team goaltend. you You're not drafting these individual players. So, uh yeah, I really do not love um Fleury in Chicago this season and I'll be staying pretty far away from him. Uh, in especially because
1: hockey. especially because I think Beebs is right. I think he is going to go pretty early. Um Yeah. Like so I definitely draft. don't want to... Yeah. I I think though the other thing Beebs you mentioned, he's going to be 37, which is not great. Um but prior to winning the Vesna the two years previous, he had a 262 goals against and a 909 save percentage in Vegas. It's not like he was amazing. Yeah, Last the year he did. Th- bias on this guy is crazy. Like. Last year was just insane. Yeah. I'm not, like, he's, obviously, he's Mark andre Fleur. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer, but it's like, I don't want anything to do with it. Um, All right. Do you guys want to talk about Freddie Anderson and Anthony Rehant at all? You guys no. interested in that? Uh,
0: I'm interested in Anderson a lot, but I don't know. Uh, like like no, I If he can come back, I mean, like, you're going to get him late value. Yeah, because you want um, Carolina's goalie, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. And this all goes to what D just said. You know, you want the team's yeah. goalie. And, yeah, he uh, plays and, for and your team. Same reason making, why. Yep, yeah, more than double what Ranta just got paid. They're going to give him the go. So, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's the same reason why Freddie's been a good goalie the last few years in Toronto. He's probably not going to get as many starts. So, you know, I I think that's a big hit in his fantasy value. He's one of the few guys you could pencil in for 55 to 60 starts for the last five years or so. Um, So, yeah, that's not going to be there with Ranta there. Um, But yeah, Mirazik Campbell, I I think that they're both kind of decent options in Toronto. But it's, you know, it's more concerning when you don't know how those starts are going to shake out. Obviously, the money says Mirazik's going to get the majority. Campbell played really, really well last season. Um, But yeah, that's the one thing I could tell you about goalies, and it's why we always come back to goalies being voodoo. It's because their individual performance fluctuates so much. You're better off just drafting based off the, the players and the team that they play for.
0: One if thing want about a- Freddie Anderson that I like a lot, um, actually, is he finally out of that spotlight in Toronto. And, and I don't think it's talked about enough, but especially for him as the goalie, he was, when things went wrong and, you know, stuff... Shit hit the fan. He really was this, the, kind of the scapegoat there and, and the one that everyone kind of threw everything at. But he did have some very productive years before that. Was a very serviceable fantasy goalie, a very serviceable goalie in, in general. He can get away from that spotlight, which he is now in Carolina. Obviously not as much pressure. Um, he's not, you know, there's not, there's not questions every single day about every little thing that he does and is the next backup behind him, the new starter. Uh, there's not that pressure. Uh, you know, Robin Lanier talks about the the mental health of a goalie. And I think this is big for him. And Freddie obviously was having problems. So I would like, I do like, you know, taking a flyer on Freddie as maybe my third goalie, um, or if I'm not getting the goalies I want as my second goalie, but um, you know, I, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think you're really going to lose on this one. If you do have to drop him. whatever you drop Freddie Anderson, you know, he's, he's, he's past his time. But um, but yeah, I, I do like that uh that move there for him. I have no problem taking both of these guys. I like yeah. both of them. Oh, I think Mrazek um, too. I think you know. Oh, them. i mean, like
1: like Ranta though too. Oh, I like, yeah. I, yeah. I think Ranta is really good. I think Freddie's really good. My only concern with the both of them is that they've both. I mean Freddie for the most part, it's been very durable. I uh, yeah. ran into the injury bug a little bit last year. Rounce a guy who can barely stay on the ice. Um, <laughs> but if they're healthy, it's a duo that could be very, uh, very good for them. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I, I, I think Mrazic might be the best goalie of the three, um, but I'm not even a hundred percent sold yeah, on that statement. Awesome. So yeah. I He's think, the youngest, I think that's for sure. I think that Anderson and Ronta is a, is an upgrade uh, while most of their, goal 10 or most of the roster seems to be downgraded i think it is an upgraded net for them um and just d you mentioned how uh, stats fluctuate from year to year for goalies and whatever and i was as you were saying that i had auntie Bronte's page open here in 2018 he had a 930 save percentage 2019 he had a 906 <laughs> 2020 back up to 921 2021 back down to 905 so it fluctuates, but if you just if you take a look at those trends there, that means that Ronta nine twenty save percentage at minimum this year. Yeah, right? it's got to be right. It's got to yeah, be and science, bro. It's how it works. The goalies are rude. and the,
3: again the main point I'm coming from. If you're a goalie on a bad team, if you're playing a goalie on your fantasy that you know is on one of the worst teams in the league, and they, they're giving up a ton of shots and a, and you know a ton of chances on a night to night basis the only thing they could possibly give you is a good save percentage. Cause you know, best case you're getting an average goals against out of them. Cause they're going to be facing 40 to 45 shots. Uh, and you're probably not going to get a win. So that's why I really say you just need to be drafted off a of team goaltending. Uh, and you just need to look at the guys that are going to be getting a lot of starts for the best teams. Andre Vasilevsky is the best example. He's also a great goaltender. Um, and he's probably on his own level this year in, in terms of fantasy goalies. Cause I think he's the only one that we would all say, individually as a top you know three top five goaltender in the league we expect them to start around 55 to 60 of the games you know assuming health and everything else uh and he's on the best team in the league so um you know that's kind of the perfect formula but the, the team matters way, way much more than the individual goalie, believed or not, when it comes to fantasy hockey.
1: You know what's crazy, though, is this year, you know, maybe Robin Lehner, um, because he's alone now, but, like, there is not really anybody outside of Vasilevsky that you can point to and be like, this guy is, like, the, the yeah, no. goalie waters are very muddied this year. Um, and, and what you're saying there, like, the perfect example is somebody like Connor Hellebuck. The Jets are a good team, but defensively, they're terrible. So you mm-hmm. look at Connor Hellebuck, the guy goes and puts up a, a 9.22 save percentage two years ago, but he has a 257 goals against average still.
3: And there's you know, no, no room 960, for 960,
1: error there, right? No, 9.16 save percentage last year, 258 goals against average still. If you and look if at him, <laughs> look If he, at he him has too, an off
3: season, he's not even worth rostering, right? Like, if that no. save percentage dips anywhere around 9.10, he's, like, not even yeah. worth starting on most nights. Yeah, you
0: yeah. got to be pick and choose him. You don't want to...
1: I mean, the good thing about Hellebuck obviously that you know he's probably going to lead the and league. He's an in the Starts like he's yeah, he's really good. And, and you know what? I think the Jets. I think the Jets have done a nice job this offseason too. We didn't really talk about some of their moves because they're not really fantasy relevant. Uh, but like bringing in a guy like Nate Schmidt uh, helps out that blue line considerably. Bringing in um, Brendan Dillon helps that blue line considerably. Uh, so maybe they won't be quite as bad defensively. So I think Hellebuck might be maybe that number two right behind uh Vasilevsky but after that it's it's a fucking shit show it's it's a toss-up but uh boys this was fun we kept it under an hour 30 which is what we wanted Mm, to do Uh, so that was season seven episode two of the daily face-off podcast um I'm not 100 percent sure what the future lies here in the weeks to come this is kind of now the dog days of the uh fantasy hockey uh off season so we definitely aren't going to be back next week uh, but as we get closer to September, we will do the same episodes as we always do, previewing each position, uh, giving you our top tens in each position, our sleepers, our busts, our breakouts, uh, all the episodes you guys love. They do big numbers Mock every draft single year.
3: episode.
1: Mock draft, all that fun stuff. So, um, you know, this is probably going to be the last you hear from us for, for a little bit here, uh, but we will definitely be back towards the end of August, early September. So I'm Brock Sieger. We got Dylan D. Berthy, Michael Beeves, Bondi. Boys, it was fun. Send them out here with the Blue Stones.
0: Enjoy your day. And we're going to come back hotter than ever, better than ever.
1: Just be
2: ready. Been a time, been a to the now, back my